Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40-something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, my goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. Welcome to another Doran and Friends. What does that mean? It means that I kindly beg my beautiful and wonderful friends to come on the show and just chat and talk about life. I thought it was important to start doing this for my listeners so that you're not just hearing from professionals all the time and we're just listening to real women our age, amazing women, and I'm very selective about who I want to have on the show. So my guest today is someone that I met many years ago and I clicked with her immediately. She is smart, funny, full of positive energy and really knows who she is and she does not change that for anyone. Total open book, much like I am. So we we got along immediately. Uh, we also haven't talked in a while, so this is this is gonna be very, very real. Tanya McQueen Foreman comes from a little town of 3,000 people in Texas. She raised kids there and flipped houses there until casting directors from the hit ABC show, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, asked her to join that series as a co-host. Tanya traveled the USA building and giving away extreme homes and then went on to host a series for Lifetime, FYI, The CW, and more. Almost 20 years since she left Texas, Tanya now splits her time between Los Angeles, Laguna Beach, and Nantucket. That is not bad. I would like to do that. She's got two kids, two stepkids, ages 16 to 26. That's a lot of kids. She has a television producer husband, which we will speak more about, and a seven-year-old terrier named Never, who needs to drop a few pounds. <laughs> and, and that bio is so Tanya. <laughs> Tanya, welcome. Hi, Jamon. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I've been so excited about this podcast. I'm so proud of you for doing something bold and it's just you're always you you inspire me I want I, my next chapter it's like what is it going to be oh that's so sweet well I I love doing this this is this is probably the, my favorite thing that I've ever done so um and and part of that is that I get to actually talk to all these amazing people and learn so much which uh, is a gift to me so wait let's talk about how we first met because I actually don't remember I know that Tanya's husband Tom is a family friend of ours. I had been in interior design and Extreme Makeover was one of my favorite shows. And I constantly was like, I have to get on that show and work on that show. I have to get on. And I had talked to Tom years ago and he said, why don't you come on and volunteer? And I did. And then I was hired to do a few shows, uh, which I loved. But then I moved to London, and so I couldn't do it anymore. I moved for my husband's job. But I, but Tanya wasn't on the show at the time I was there. I remember. I remember exactly. It's so random because I thought about it last night. I was like, gosh, I've known Doran. So that was 2006. 
six. Isn't that crazy? And I remember, first of all, like we could talk for seven hours about the just insane random plucking out of my middle America world into, you know, one of the hit television shows on ABC TV, which I I still sort of like look in the mirror and go, how the hell did that happen? Like, it's so (laughs) weird. But I also immediately upon joining this sort of like the show was already had left the station. It was massive. Everyone who was, you know, Ty and then the other designers that were on the team had already sort of had a little pinch of success and they were excited and heady. And so I joined this huge, huge show and everyone was sort of suspect, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, who's this new girl, the woman that's joining. And the only person that sort of grabbed me and wrapped her arms around me was a mutual friend, Michelle Spieler. Uh, I had Michelle on the show. She, Michelle, if, if um, you go back to some of my earlier episodes, Michelle did an episode on beauty and I just freaking love that girl she's so much. Like, <laughs> she's an angel. I mean, she yeah. just, she, she can recognize, I said to her, I said, you're on like your 11th go round in the universe. Cause she just has such an intuitive like sense about her and can tell when things are great, things aren't great, knows when to reach out still to this day. Like I'll get a random like text from her about something. Michelle is a makeup artist on the show. Just yes. to make that clear. No. So sitting in her chair, you text her or call her. Like, I don't even know if we had iPhones or Blackberries. How crazy is that? <laughs> like, it was right on the transition. And she's like, oh, hold on just a second. She was like, that's my friend Doran. She was like, oh my God. And I, at the time, I'm, you know, I'm not dating Tom. Like, that's a whole other like podcast. And she's like, oh, my friend Doran, she used to work on the show, blah, blah. She lives in London. I don't even know if you were, pre- were you pregnant? I had Tatum in 2007. Yes. Yeah, so so you, possibly. You, you might have been pregnant, but I think you were just a universe away. Like you were on the other side of the ocean. I think, you know, it was like you were reaching out and she just loved you and told me all about you. And then soon after, I obviously started dating Tom. And then that opened up a whole other, you know, box of crazy. And she was sort of my nest or resting spot. And we would talk kind of about because you would be in Nantucket and you were getting sort of the like drama that was coming from my relationship with Tom that was, you know, 35 miles out to sea with my mother-in-law and your stepmother and blah, blah. And you were sort of like, I, she was being very protective of your information, but she'd say, whew, I can't believe you're going to go to Nantucket with Tom. You're really going into the lion's den. Like this is <laughs> like, so anyway, that's, mm-hmm. and then as soon as I got to Nantucket dating Tom, so, you know, I don't even know how to talk about that at this juncture with you because we could go into it for seven hours, but you were the kindest, most sincere, most real when my life was sort of coming together and falling apart and there was a lot of drama, you were just sort of a very calm space. And so when you said in the beginning, I'm an open book, I I am what I am, you get what you get, like meeting you really allowed that too. So I I have tears in my eyes. (laughs) It's my lack of sleep last night. (laughs) You really were. I never really thanked you for that. Well, you know what? I think like Michelle, um, we're both very non-judgmental and open-minded. And I think that I can't take phony people. I just don't have room for that in my life and never have. And I think the same goes for me. Like, if you don't like me, that's okay. We don't have to be friends. (laughs) I'm not for everyone. But when I do meet the women that are similar to me, I hold on to those relationships because it's rare to find that. So I feel the same about you. And I just, that's so nice. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that I could help you through that. 
whatever I did. <laughs> well, you did. So the so, long and short of how we met. There you go. My yeah. Five minutes. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. I don't know what's going on with my memory. Maybe it's my 40s. Um, was what we talk about all the time. So Tanya, you are how old? I'm 49. I turned 40. I know. I know. I'm 49. Uh-huh. And um, I turned 49 in February. And I was, you know. So I'm, you're just 49. I just turned 49. I'm new 49. I'm a baby 49. I'm a very <laughs> right. young, young, young. I keep telling people that I'm um, turning 43, but I forgot that I'm not. I'm turning 44. And uh, <laughs> for, like literally not even trying to be funny, it I happens. keep thinking I'm turning 43. It happens. I When I turned 49, one of my girlfriends said to me, who's like 51, and she was like, Tanya, I, I just have one thing for you. She was like, please do not spend your last year of being 40 telling everyone I can't believe I'm almost 50. She's like, you're 49. Just be 49. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to be 49. By the way, that's such good advice. Cause I remember at 39 doing that with 40 and, and really having a hard time with the idea that I was turning 40. And I think that I spent my whole 39th year saying I'm almost 40. I'm almost 40. And then 40 was kind of hard. And then as I, you know, have gotten into my forties, I, I actually really love my 40s. And and we're going to get into that because I'm going to ask you a couple questions about your 40s, which which will be great. But t- tell me first. So you're originally from Texas. Yes. I love when you talk about your your little town of Texas. Oh my gosh. Tell it's, me a little bit about what it was insane. like growing up there. Uh, so I had lived literally my whole like life into my early 30s in a very, very small town about an hour from Houston. Actually, it's dead center between Houston and Austin, equal distance. And when I was growing up, I mean, I think they now claim they have 3,500 people, but that's really like a little bit of a lie. <laughs> oh my um, God. But it was, you know, about 2,800 people, three stoplights. I graduated with like 58 kids or something like that. And I always was that one that, you know, it just felt so small on me. It was like wearing my clothes were too tight. I mean, it just was too suffocating, but I guess I just didn't, I think I'm a really bold person, but I just didn't have like the will to figure out a way to leave. Like, I don't know, like my parents are lovely, but they also weren't like going, Oh my gosh, you're getting the hell out of here. As soon as you turn 18. I mean, I graduated high school, went straight to, uh, you know, I went to Texas A&M, which there's really only two colleges. If you go into Texas, you go to university of Texas or Texas A&M. And that's like, why would you leave? Like when you leave Texas, people are like, why, why would you go to school somewhere I've heard that before. It's true. It's true. And then while at AM, I got married. I got married very, very young. I actually got married like my sophomore year in high school. Like, again, that would be not. Wow, I didn't know that. I mean, uh, sophomore year of college. Yeah, college. 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 I, I didn't know. Definitely that. correct that. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, that was really young. No, yeah. <laughs> Did you have to get your parents to sign papers? Okay. Sophomore yeah, sophomore year of college. Year of college. Wow. And I, and again, it's like he was four years older than I was and was graduating. And I guess, I don't know. He was like, do you want to get married? And I was like, yeah, I guess I don't have anything else going. I, I don't know. Like it was just, there was no one. And I don't blame like my parents. And that wasn't uncommon at that age, really? In the South? I, mean, I mean, yeah, it really wasn't. Like it just really wasn't. But it's like, I look now, like I have a son who's, I have an older son who's 26. And I have one who's 22, is graduating from USC this 
month. And uh, wow. no, May, May, May. Look, I'm, oh, see, you, said you, you can't remember. I can't. Re- I mean, like I'm there too. I can't remember anyone's name or age or time of day. So I can't re- even imagine even at 22, him coming and saying, I think I'm going to get married. I'd be like, hell no. Like I would lock him up or duct tape him somewhere. Like it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> well, you, anyway, you've learned from life. That's right. <laughs> so got married, had two kids. And then when my youngest was like four, I was just losing my mind. Like literally, like I, I know it's a figure of speech, but I really was like, I was having horrible, horrible anxiety, panic attacks. Like I couldn't figure it out. Like there was nothing really wrong in my life, except I was absolutely miserable. I was, I was very unhappy in my marriage. I had been, you know, most of the marriage and, uh, people go like, why'd you have two kids? And I'm like, well, like, why did I get married? I mean, I don't know. There's (laughs) the next step. I have a lot of unanswered whys. Um, but it, it doesn't matter because it, you know, it got me to where I am today. And I know that's an overused phrase, but it really is true. Like you kind of have to step through all the deep piles of, you know, mud, crap, whatever you want to call it to sort of get to where you're going. So when I was, uh, 28 or 29, I reached out to my cousin, who's also my best friend. And she, it was very interested in property and houses. And it really was before people were flipping like that term didn't even exist. We didn't even use that term when we decided to buy this little house in our town. Like it really could have used a match instead of a hammer. Like it needed to burn and go away, but we saw something in it and, uh, we bought it. And I, at the time had really wanted to be an like, a a news broadcaster or like, I didn't even think I wanted to be a big actress. I just wanted to present TV. Like that was starting to happen. And I thought I, that's what I wanted always. So I had this agent in Houston and she, she called me out of the blue and she was like, Hey, I know you're flipping this house. I got this weird thing through the pipeline. These people are going to follow someone flipping a house or renovating a house. You should audition. I'm going to put, I'm going to put you on tape. And I, I cast this little tiny show called Property Ladder on TLC, which seriously changed my life. I think people sort of stay in unhappy, weird situations for a very long time because the universe never really throws them an open window or uh, you know, a cracked door. And a lot of times it does and everyone's too afraid to walk through it. But as soon as the universe cracked a window for me, I think I just knocked the window out of the jam. Like I just went through it. Like I just was like, this is mine. It's it's coming to me. I'm grabbing it. And I did. I, I booked this show and then someone called from ABC. How weird is that? Like in my little tiny universe in Columbus, Texas, uh, someone reaches out to me from Hollywood, Los Angeles, and, you know, and I auditioned and booked it and literally got a divorce. And <laughs> I was like, John, I'm out. Did you get the divorce before the, the, no, we were already separated. Yeah. We... But that, I mean, but seriously, how perfect is that timing? <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, you're right. I think sometimes you need something to give you that little shove and, I love that because I can't imagine you staying in a little town for the rest of your life. I think you would have just the story would have ended drowned. badly. The yeah, story it would have ended badly. So, how old were you at this time? I was thirty years old. Mm-hmm. I was thirty. So young. Yeah, I was thirty years old. And um, then when I joined Extreme, I was th- I, I booked it when I was thirty-one. Yeah, it's so so long. So that ago. came. So Extreme Makeover came. What what year was that that you started there? 
so I started doing this house uh, in Columbus in like 2004, mm-hmm. and I did the show for TLC called Property Ladder. That was in 2005, I think it aired, and a casting director named Karen Silverstein, who also kind of was like a little angel beacon that was convincing and helpful and made it happen for me. She saw it on TLC, and she this is a tr- this is really true. She went to Tom Foreman, who is how weird now my husband, and they were casting because the show, you know, started out in 2004 and it was just a little pilot show. And then 2005, it became this huge success. And they were like, ABC was like, you know what? You're doing 13 episodes a year. We want 26. And so to do that, they came up with this crazy idea that they would shoot two builds at a time. And to do that, they had to have a mirror team. So they needed four more new people. And so they started this huge huge this casting for some another few another woman and like two guys and they were struggling and struggling and struggling so Karen was like literally looking through the sofa cushions to find someone and I think she just probably sat down and was watching like every single design show every single because you just didn't have like YouTubers and DIY like all the stuff on the right and there weren't the amount of design shows that there are now then no no I mean like no they're just it was HGTV and maybe TLC was breaking into it because of HG's success and so anyway she she reached out to my agent my agent called me and they were like, you're not going to believe this because we don't really believe it. We think we're being punked. I swear. I remember this conversation. She was like, it's the weirdest thing. This casting director has reached out to us and she wants you to come to LA and audition. So I remember I was like, hell yeah. I mean, I would have, I would have written a camel from Columbus, Texas to LA to make this happen. Like I, I was going and I got there and I remember I landed, I flew Southwest airlines and (laughs) I remember like buying the, I was so scared. And I like bought the little at the time, I think they were like $2, the little vodka. And I was like, I'm so fancy. Like, I am so fancy. I am going to Hollywood. And I remember I got there and at the time, and there was no Uber or anything. I took a freaking taxi from LAX to the audition address. And I am not lying. It was in the Valley. And I was like, I don't know a lot about this, but like, I think porn is in the Valley. Like I'm, <laughs> like something bad is going to happen. And why did you know that? <laughs> why did I know? That she, so I got to this at home, like a physical address. And this woman named Karen Silverstein invited me in and she's like, Oh, this is what we're doing. The audition. I was like, this is so not true. Like I'm going to get murdered here. And, uh, so I did this audition in our house and then they called me. I didn't hear anything for weeks. And I got a call and they were like, so, uh, they want to see you on set to audition on set. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. And so I went with like 18 other people. I was like severe underdog and I auditioned in Colorado Springs, Colorado on set on. And I mean, I watched the show. So, you know, you can imagine I like, I get there and Ty Pennington's there and like, power came over me. I don't know. Like I killed it. I knew I killed it. I just knew I killed it. And I was like, I think I'm going to book this show. And I don't even know those terms. Look at me talking now. Like I'm such a seasoned. No, but you, but you added a different element to the show. I think that wasn't there, like a different energy that the show needed. So I, I, I can understand why they liked you and wanted you to be there. By the way, my audience knows this show, but if I talk about anybody who's like in their early thirties now, they're like, what, what's that? (laughs) 
<laughs> what was that show? I know. I know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but it was like the biggest thing ever. It Everybody knew the show. It was, I mean, Doran, it, it was so big. Like, it's weird for me to talk because none of us will have another moment like that in our life. Not myself, not my husband. Like, he's still chasing that. I know. And he's in a super, super successful. And I don't just say that because I love him and think he's like the smartest guy in the world. He's such a, and you know this, like he's a very, very successful television producer. He will probably never have that level of like we were huge like you couldn't go any like it was just it was magic it was it was also it was obviously something nobody had done before and it was I I loved the rush of the show like I it's the most exhausting thing you'll ever do in your life and I don't even know how you did that with kids but I remember some of the staff even just like their husbands or wives would like bring their kid to say hello for like a day but you I mean, I slept like a couple hours a night. You were going, going, going. I, and I, what, I remember the last day before the reveal, like everyone was crying. And I once got into a huge fight with Ty. I don't even remember what it was about, but like it ended up in tears. Oh, <laughs> it's just, like, It was like three o'clock in the morning. Because it's that term like <laughs> punch drunk, like you haven't been drinking, but you feel almost drunk because you're just right. like, your level of fatigue and emotion. And like, and it was even different because I had children. So it's like, it was brutal from being gone from them and by like day five I would be just like I'm the worst mother in the world I'm divorcing their father I'm like I'm I'm there I'm on the road curing like but you know what Doran because you know this the stories are just so awful like the families and the whatever like the disease and the sickness and the dying or the horror that had happened to them to actually put them in the position to be getting this home you just were so thankful that like my kids were healthy and safe and tucked at home with their father who loved them and I but you know, I left, I elected, you know, so that show went on my friends. Like I was just with Michael Maloney like two weeks ago and he was stayed. He and all of them, I left. Remember I elected to leave. And because it's like Tom and I decided to get married and I was like, I cannot be married and have a hold a life in Texas, a life in LA and try to do this show. And it was, it was really draining me because for the reasons logistically of my kids in my life, but it was killing me just from a painful of watching these children and like it hurt like to watch some of these stories which by the way if, if you, they were real stories and yes a house was built in a week but it was you know there was a lot of I always tell people there's a lot of prep behind it but it did happen that way and and sometimes it was good sometimes not so good but yeah. <laughs> was, but but the the best part of it is when you were just so exhausted and couldn't take another second when you saw the family's like actual uh, real reaction to oh. the home at the end it was just the best thing ever yeah. I mean, it's sort of like when weird things happen in the world, I go like, come on, we can fix this. We yeah. built a house in 108 hours. You're, you're renovating some bathrooms right now. So I bet you're thinking like, what is going on? Why is this taking so long? If we could just throw a hundred plumbers at my bathroom right now. <laughs> but I, you know what, listen, my, my design background, like I'm just so uh, competent when it comes to managing projects that like I sometimes can't understand why people can't do what I need them to do when I need them to do it. It's, it's a, it's a, plus and a minus of my personality. I know. It's <laughs> Get painful. Get shit done, but I, I also, um, sometimes it hurts. It's painful. It's painful. It's hard. I know. And, and it's like I'm 
currently on Nantucket and, uh, you know, renovating a house. And I was go- only going to do a one bathroom. And, and of course I ended up doing all the bathrooms because that's sort of like my MO. And I flew all- from LA here just to sort of yell, you know, it's like, if you don't keep heat on the, <laughs> the you know, it doesn't happen. And so every answer I get to wait, why is this not done? And they're like, that's not the way we do it. And I'm just like, oh, by the way, when I was on the way to my C-section with Rex, I was renovating my place in Manhattan. And on the way, I made Ty stop at the building so that I could go in and check everything out. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I'm going to be in the hospital for four days. And if I don't go there today, those four days are going to get totally screwed up. That sums up everything, right? Yes. Like, that's all you need to say when somebody says, how do you run a project? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What Just like on the interior design front, because I actually sometimes post some design stuff that people like. As you're renovating a bathroom, do you have any advice on style for bathrooms? Because I, you know, I've learned a lot, but I like to hear this from other people because I know Nantucket, you're probably keeping it pretty simple as my guess. But by the way, Tanya has amazing taste. I've been to her, their house in LA and I, I love, you just have such an amazing eye uh, and, and not just, I love like how you find the little vintage things and whatever you, you've put Thank in your home you. to make it feel like a home. I just, I love your taste. Well, I think the way I sort of roll, it's why, you know, after leaving television, everyone's like, why don't you do more design work? Why? First of all, I always say like, it's like birthing a baby backwards and I'm not doing it for someone like I'm selfish. I like doing it for myself. Oh, I it's would... totally different doing it for yourself. People say this to me all the time. They, they do interior design, they design their home and then they're like, They'll say to me, oh, I want to be an interior designer. I'm like, no, you don't. You I'm do like, not. because when you're an interior designer, you are working with a client who wants what they want. And no matter what you do, this is why I got out of it. It's no matter worst. what you do, they want what they want. It's not creative at all. It's no. um, it's a lot of work. And yeah. I don't love anyone enough to do that for them. And I'm not, hung- I'm not hungry. So there you go. If I, if I needed to find food or put a roof over my head, perhaps I would, but like, it's a brutal thankless to do it for someone else. So bathroom, thank you for saying that. I think that my style, it's always so hard to sort of like give advice because I am a little weird about how I do things. And I am so like Nantucket, if I see one more like whale on someone's wall or like light ship basket, I'm just going to vomit. So I'm going really against the grain here while still, I think, kind of paying homage to the fact that, you know, I'm on a cool island out in the Atlantic and it has a little lot, a nod to the environment. But I think people are going to walk in and go like, oh my God, what's the hell's going on here? Like I think, and I hope in a good way, but I'm working very hard to do it differently. I bet it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think, I hope so. You were like a breath of fresh air in Nantucket when you first came. <laughs> I remember probably, I don't know, maybe don't let Jane listen to this, but I remember um, your mother-in-law before I met you being like, Tanya's amazing. We love her. She's so great with Tom, but she wears denim shorts. <laughs> and I was like standing there in denim shorts and like, yeah. And what's what's the situation here? And it was just so funny because, I mean, I wore denim shorts on Nantucket. I still wear them. It's like my summer staple. <laughs> hey, we, don't, we were just ahead of our time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally now it's like I'll shop and I'll go, they've lost their mind. $400 for those denim shorts. 
sure. It's like, look at us. We were just ahead of our time. Right now where I am, I am so kind of, you know, coming, I come in and I come out of design. And I think, you know what I'm talking about, like in the sense of, I have to really want to be, like I eat it, sleep it and just breathe it when I'm doing it. And it almost like sucks the, <laughs> the life out of me that when I'm done with it, I have to just put it away for a little bit. And I think you probably feel that way. And then like, I take a break and I, my brain is like always all over the place. Like I'm so interested in so many things that when someone says, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I mean, I want to do this and this and this and this and this, but design definitely like scratches an itch for me. And so buying this house in Nantucket, it really was not something we planned on doing this year. And we came to Nantucket last summer in July for two weeks. And obviously like everyone's life, COVID was like in full fury. And we said, why are we going back to LA? It's insane there. Let's stay for two more weeks. And then we rented another house and we didn't leave till October. And so while we were here, we like were house whores. We just wanted to like look at property and this, and we went into this house and we fell in love and it's a barn. I can't wait for you to see it, Doran. It's so weird. I'm so I'm gonna I'll definitely um be there at some point this summer because my kids are going to camp. Yes. <laughs> so, <No>. Yay. <laughs> I you know, I think that much like me, I always tell people they're like, Well, what's your style? I'm like schizophrenic. Like yeah. I, and, I, and and by the way, I'm not to not to use that term too um loosely. We rented this house outside the city and it's a colonial house, which you know may not have been my first choice to but, but we're renting it. But it is on the market. And of course, knowing me, I'm like, well, I can't just move in there and not like make it feel like home. So so I've been doing started ripping I've out been stuff. doing little tweaks, little tweaks. And it's really difficult here. The, the the real estate market right now is crazy. It's not easy to find anything. And I actually really like the house. So I'm trying to stick with the colonial feel of it. And at the same time, my brain goes to like, well, I still like a little deco. I like a little vintage. Do it. You know. Do it. So I am. Yeah, I'm finding ways to incorporate that. And I think that that's, I think sometimes that's what makes a really good designer because I think if you are only doing one style and that's all you know. I don't know. It kind of doesn't make you that interesting. And you want your home to be who you are. You want people to come in and I have so many quirky things in my house and um, that's that's who I am. Yeah. If I like it, if I like it, it's going in my house. And I listen, if I go on a walk and I see a huge stump, but I, Tom has known me to drag that thing back to the house. If there's something that's right. just like, I mean, it just, if it speaks to me, it's going in my house and I'll find a way to incorporate it. All right. So I have my, here's a, um, I have one quick topic that I wanted to ask you about for listeners who are in this position. What has it been like for you being a step parent? Honestly, like that is one of those topics that I love to talk about so much because I also had a step parent and I remember like being a child going, this is must be the most difficult, thankless thing to have me in her life. Now the thought that I have stepchildren, like you don't, you don't grow up going and then one day I'll get a divorce and I'll get stepchildren too. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you don't, it, it just, you don't ever think of it like that. And Tom and I've been married this July to be 13 years. And wow. I know. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? And That's crazy. So I was really lucky in the craziest way because I ended up in my stepchildren's life when they were very, very, very young. And um, their mom and I, who you know, their mother could not be more different, but it's like, uh, she's been really amazing in allowing me to be a huge part of their life because like, whether you like it or not, I just 
am. And it's been so eye-opening to sort of look back and think about what my my stepmother had to deal with and go through it. It's, it's excused a lot of things. It's explained a lot of things. It's made me thankful for a lot of things. But Tom also plays such a huge part in making me being a stepmother so wonderful because he really does allow me to mother them. Like we've been a team and we've really done it together. And I'm just, I'm so stupidly proud of these four children that just have blended. And I think it's really been great because their ages are so stair-stepped. You know, we go 26, 22, an 18 year old, and the youngest is about to turn 16. And Wait, I'm what? Yeah. <laughs> what? 16, How did that happen? May 25th. How I remember crazy when is that? I remember when they were both born. That's so crazy. I know. You know what you um from at the outside watching you over the years, you know, I know there were a couple bumps in the road, but the the entire time you maintained your love for the kids and and they came as a priority to you just as much as your own kids and that's really pretty amazing. I come from divorced parents obviously and have a stepmother and a stepfather. And I think that equally, they both have have been wonderful, inspirational people in my life. But, uh, you know, when I wasn't little when that happened and and Tom's kids were little when you guys met. So little, I came in. Yeah, yeah. but you just you just came in full force and was like, we're a family. And I I remember that. I thought it was so wonderful. Thank you for saying that. And I'm I I I, you know I felt it. I'm happy that's what it how it came across because that's definitely how it felt. And but I'm telling you, everyone in our life, like I've watched, it's amazing family. And like when you really love someone, and not to sound all mushy gushy, but how it just everyone sort of plays a huge part. Like I'll say this, you know, my, my in-laws, I know it was a real shock when my husband was like, here, I'm in love with this lady and da, 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 you know, she's got two kids. I mean, can you imagine this like, like reaction under this roof of like, wait, what? No, 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 no. That's not how the story is going down. So it definitely was a change in the script for sure. I mean, that's like to, to say it like, but I can't tell you, like my in-laws are the most amazing um, grandparents to my children. And Aww. they really are. They're and such good people. They treat them just beautifully because we are, we are a family. And it's the thing of like, this is what it is. And I'm proud of us. Like I, that's one of my like most exciting, proud sort of life achievements is that we did this and we've done it it's been hard, you know, it's been hard. There's been tears. There's been a lot of sit down and discuss it and work it out. And, but I'm so damn proud when I look at like, I'm sitting here looking at a wall that has like family photos. And I mean, I'm these photos, like you can see where it went off the track and where we got that train back on. <laughs> Name, uh, if you can, like what, what were some of the challenges too? Cause I, I would imagine there, it does not, it's not, it wasn't perfect always. Right. Because I think this will help other women who might be in a similar situation. Well, my thing is, I you know, my personality, which obviously it's hard to come across just in this, you know, an hour talking, but you know me, like I'm very direct. I don't beat around the bush. Like I'm very, and I have a way of doing things that when I mother, I mother hard. When I love, I love hard. When I, you know, and I'm not shy of saying what I think, you know, what my wants and needs are. And so I don't just agree. Uh, 
raising someone else's like my stepchildren, obviously their mother loves them immensely and she's an amazing mom and she's very much a part of their life. But when they come to our house, you know, we have 50, 50, like one of the coolest things about my husband, I, I know it's out of love, but I think it's almost his personality. It was like, when this happened, it was like, Oh, it's going down 50, 50. It's like, you are not, <laughs> I'm not going to owe you a day. You're not going to owe me a day. Like we're going to just like, this is how it's happening. But uh, we live right near my step children's mother, like we're three miles, four miles away. And, um, so there've been differences like, of that's not how we do it. Mom does it differently or, you know, and we just have agreed to disagree about things. And I think at the end of the day, when they know there's love there and we can brush it off and move on. And, and, and I don't really mean to make it sound that you know, easy. Look, it's hard. My biological children that like my flesh and blood, you know, they're difficult. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're all a they're little all difficult. A little difficult. <laughs> so I try to always keep that in perspective in the sense of the four when they stand there. Like I, I obviously not to be Pollyanna about it. I know like these are my stepchildren. They have a mother. They, this is, you know, my boys have a father and a stepmother who's very involved. And so I don't mean to make it sound like it's some sort of, you know, um, sound of music. But I think I would have had the same if these four children were mine. Like, I think we've had the same bumps and scrapes and whatever. I think what really is the bottom line is I give Tom a lot of wiggle room when it comes to maybe something messing up in my terms towards my children. And he gives me a lot of wiggle room with his children. And we usually, we just change the narrative. Like we don't do yours, mine, they're ours. I think that's been a huge thing for our family is I've never spoken about my family in his and mine. When someone says to me, how many children do you have? I can promise you no one's ever asked me that question where I didn't say I have four children. I always right. say I have four children because I have four children. Yeah. You know, of course. I yeah. have, and, and I think when that becomes how you look at your blended family, that is your, that is your family. That is my family. And when, if I have to get into detail, like I don't, I save that detail unless they ask, or if it's someone who knows us very well. And then obviously they know our story, but I would never go, Oh, Oh, I have two children and my husband has two children. And cause that always keeps it sort of a family of division. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely. And we're not. And, but I'm also not, you know, in some make believe world where, you know, I want to take this blended family and like, oh, I want to erase that the divorce ever happened. And I want to erase that there's all these step parents and I want to erase the, you know, I, 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 that's not, that's not why I say I have four children and why I say this is our family. Cause this is our family. And it's weird, Doran. Like we do things like we have my ex-husband and his wife are coming to our second, his, he's graduating from USC. They're all coming. They're going to, we're doing our thing. We do, we do things together. You know, That's we're taking, nice. we're taking the third one. He's going to college on in September in Minneapolis and we're all going his mom and Tom and I, and we're all staying at the same hotel, and we're not the same. That's, room. But you know what? Coming from coming from parents who could never do that, I I, I just think I, I may have just talked about this on another podcast. But I I always tell my friends right now. I you know I'm at that age where I have friends going through divorces, and I always say to them, your kids will be okay as long as your parents are able to find ways to um, connect and be there for you as parents. You know, I think it's it's really important that you maintain that relationship. And and sometimes people can't do that for whatever reasons. But if you can do that, I think that that 
It's so huge. important. It's so important. It's so important. So I love hearing that. And um, you have definitely been like that since day one. And, you know, even when you maybe were, uh, people were fighting against that Oof. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, you stood your ground. And I think that that's so great. I'm sure Tom really appreciates that. All right. Here's my next question for you. Are you going through perimenopause? Oh my gosh, you're so crazy. What is going on? You're 49. Tell us all what's happening with your hormones. Okay, so how random that you're even asking me this because um, it's literally like the past three weeks. It's crazy. I just, just when my mid 40s, how I started getting these really intensive physicals, right? Because before that, well, I used to do this thing that was such a cheat. It was called a, a studio physical, which is basically just like, make sure if we give her a contract, she's not going to die on set because then we won't have a cohesive like show. <laughs> we can't replace her. And so uh, I would get studio physicals and they'd be like, yeah, you're fine. And I was like, at 45, I was like, maybe I should get like a grown up physical and like really know if I'm okay. And, um, so just, I just, I do my physical every year on my birthday. It just helps me remember like, Oh, I gotta go do it again. And this year I was telling my doctor, I was like, this getting old thing. Like, I think weird things are happening in my body. And she was like, here's the thing. There are, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And, um, so literally about a month ago, I have started getting hot flashes and I can remember like what I thought were old ladies talking about hot flashes. Holy hell. It is like, tell, someone, tell us what it feels it is like, like yeah. for me. It is like someone lifted the hood of a car that's driven from the West coast to the East coast and laid me on top of oh the engine. God. And I'm just like, it just comes over and it's insane. It's You're like lucky insane. that it's just starting now though. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of women that, who are already having this in their early to mid forties. So it's, I mean, it's not, you're not lucky because hot flashes are supposed to be awful. Oh, you'll strip in the grocery store. Like you'll start peeling things off. Like it's amazing. You lose all sense of like, how often does it happen? So recently, like in the past two weeks, it'll happen multiple, like throughout the day. I like, I recognize them. I think at night more because I'm like, you're trying to get comfortable and you're in bed and they will wake you up. But I know they're happening during the day that I'm kind of like, I'm a little more dismissive of them because you know, you're going and you're moving and you're, and I'm, I'm on the East coast right now and it's cold. So I kind of counterbalances the insane heat that comes over me. But like I said, I, I will strip it down fast. I mean, jackets are coming off, sweater starts coming off and then it passes. Like then it just passes. But like, also such weird things. Like I don't have a lot of really crazy things. Like I'm still having a period there. And my doctor said, if it's starting the hot flash right now, she's like, you're going to start and it's going to go five years is usually the window. And I'm like, uh, no, five oh my years. God. And she said, and then things are just going to start happening. She's like, do you remember when you started your period when you're like, whatever, 15, 16, she's like, you remember how it's like, you didn't know when it was coming. Like you thought you were about to start and then like you don't. And then all of a sudden you're like, at the mall and you start tripping. Uh, she's like, that's, what's going to start happening. She's like, it's just going to be random crap like that. And I was like, great. Oh, and one other weird thing is happening. The chin hair. I have oh, a chin no. whisker. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's awful. I've heard that actually, but I didn't know. I, oh no. I have two on one side and one on the other. Like I should name them because they come out <laughs> at the exact same spot and I can start to feel them. So nothing brings me greater satisfaction than a like 
10 to 15 times magnifying mirror with the suction cups on the back that I can put in this one window that has the best light right about the time it's appropriate to pour a glass of wine. So the light's coming <laughs> through with time change. It like before time change, it was like five o'clock. Now it's like six o'clock. So Tom will see me standing in my window, glass of wine, tweezer, mirror. And all he says to me is nothing good will come from that. And I, I can tell you, it's like, I, it's, it's, it's as satisfying as like finding like a sell at your favorite store, like everything's 75% off. Like I get giddy. Can you laser those things or are they just nothing, nothing makes them go away? So let me answer that. Cause of course, you know, I've literally tried every, so I asked my, my term, I said, I would, these have to go. Like I've done tons of laser and they have to go. And she's like, here's what happens. I can laser them. She's like, but we've seen where instead of just killing the root of where those are coming out, it kind of activates. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? So like I'm the woman from the carnival with the beard. And she was like, I would just pluck them. (laughs) So I know every woman who's had this happen has said this exact line that I'm about to say, but I'm, when I tell you there's so much truth in it, I told Tom, I said, babe, if something happens to me and I'm not joking you, here's where they are. And if I'm like in a coma or something before, if you haven't pulled the plug, like you, if you let me sit there and allow those to grow, I swear I'll haunt you. Like they must come off my face. And I was like, you don't even have to pluck them. Just take a razor and just kind of just roll around there. You'll get them. Oh my God. Tanya, have you ever met my mother? <laughs> I no, watch I'm, your mom on your on um, Instagram. Instagram. It's my, no, 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 it's so my mother, my mother, since the time I was probably five years old, my mother has said to me, if I'm ever in a coma, you make sure that you're waxing and tweezing my face and there are no hairs and my bangs are blown dry straight. <laughs> I mean, she's been telling me this since I was a little kid. She's like, don't you let one hair, I don't care if I'm in a coma for a year, don't, one hair is allowed to show up on my face. You better make, I mean, and she gets really serious about it. (laughs) It is serious. I mean, I would, I used to hear that, but I'm so serious and I'm so serious. I mean, I have a, I'm pretty like easy peasy, but I have a level of vanity. I mean, you live in LA for 15 years. It just happens, right? Like it's, you know, I've done everything. I mean, I haven't done any like nip talk or whatever. I don't want to look like, you know, but I listen, if it's, if it's something I can buy laser peel mask, it's been on my face. So by the way, you have to go, I don't know if you've listened to, uh, I interviewed Vanessa Williams on my show and she talks about her hot flashes. She's amazing. She's amazing. And she talks about her hot flashes that when she was having them and um, she was in a store in Beacon, New York, and this woman was looking at her and she was like, you're having a hot flash, aren't you? And she's like, wow, is it that obvious? And she gave her something that she she swears by. So go listen to the episode. Oh, I'll go back. I'll do it. They have like a very catchy name too. So I, I don't know. But anyway, all right. So now I'm going to throw um, a couple of quick questions. Okay. Um, so you can give me you know, shortish answers. And the first one is, what was the best thing that you discovered about yourself or your life, you know, anything in that category in your 40s? I don't care what others think anymore. Like, I really don't care. And that took me, I may have seemed like that in my 30s, but I wasn't that person. And also, I don't need as many friends as I thought I did. I totally understand that. I can, I'm sort of at the beginning of that, but I I feel that um, every year that gets stronger. So... I love that. Uh, I try to tell women in their 30s that I'm like, there's it's this this great time where, and my mom says your 50s are even better. She's like, you really don't care in your 50s. Oh, You're I'm just, excited. My then. mom tells me that her 50s are were her best decade. She she said it's 
I said, but that's depressing. Then what? It just goes down from there. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the if that's the the highest point. <laughs> but I know when no, I turned forty nine, my son said, "Well, mom, you're halfway there," and I was like, "What the hell? Like, I ha- what? Oh my god, halfway. not a, not okay." Um, okay, and then what's been your least favorite thing that? has happened in your 40s? Um, I just said, you know, I'm not that vain, but there's some massive changes that are happening just to me physically that I used to could really, I have a lot of willpower and I could like basically will something on my physical self to happen if I wanted to drop five pounds, if I wanted to, you know, everything's changing. Like my hair is, something's happening, like it doesn't grow and it's just the texture is different. And I remember when I was really young, that was with this older woman and she, I, she was from my hometown and she was was sort of like a, a like a muse to me, just very beautiful. And I remember talking to her about like, oh, when I look like you, blah blah blah. And she said, "Well, I'm going to tell you something." She said, "Don't you forget this." She's like, "The meat will fall right off the bone." And I remember going, "That's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard." And now I use it all the time. I tell young people, I'm like, "Enjoy it," because the meat falls right off the bone. Like it's <laughs> weird to look down at my knees, and I'll go, "What the? Why?" Oh my god, I just started to notice that a little bit. I swear to God, yesterday I put on a skirt, which I haven't put on in who knows how long. And I was like, what's happening? Yeah. Why are my knees like crepey? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're, I don't, I, I'm trying to blame it on the fact that I just got back from vacation and I'm tan. Um, lean into I that. Just lean into <laughs> that. So it's just a change of my body, right? And I want to be great with it. And I want to go into this, like, whatever, as my son says, halfway there, this next half. I want to be, I, I, I want to be really thankful and grateful for, like, what I am and who I am and what I look like. And I mean, that doesn't mean, I, trust me, that I'm not going to chase the magic unicorn, magical unicorn of, you know, youth and vitality and, you know, all of that. It's but hard, though. It's, it's hard. hard to see. Your, it is. I mean, when you start, I, I feel like this is the first year I'm really seeing things changing and I'm, and I'm having a hard time with it. Yeah. I think, I, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's terrible because you want to, you want to be confident. You don't, you know, you, you want to be grateful that we're just alive and healthy, which I am. But I, I don't think there are enough women admitting that aging is is really hard to look at in the mirror and yeah. see things changing and knowing that there's not, you know, there's just so much you can do. Because it is true on the inside. Like, I still feel 31, you know? Me too. I, it's weird. And then you look on the outside and it's like, I, st- you know what? I just had something happen to me the other day and I told Tom I laughed so hard. I was by myself and someone volunteered me to like, handle a project that was quite important. And I just remember instantly thinking, I can't believe they think I'm like, like old enough and mature enough to handle this. (laughs) And then I thought I could be a freaking grandmother. And here I see myself as like, why would they let such a young person take such responsibility? Like, but that's how I view myself. My mother says this all the time. She said, I'm easily 40 in my mind. When I, the fact that I'm 74, I'm like, what? Who's 74? Not me. I'm not 74. I know. No, I do think it's a mindset. And I think that you sometimes feel like you're like one thing inside and something else is happening outside and they're not connecting. Exactly. What's happening here. All right. Now, my my last question to you is what would be your advice to your mid to late 30-something self? Because I have an audience that age as well as women in their 40s. So what would be your advice? Stop apologizing and kind of like lose what I think for me was a little bit of like an imposter syndrome. Like I wanted, I had this vision of what I thought I needed to be, wanted to be. And so I, I, you know, played a little bit of a character and I should have really, myself was enough. Like I was bringing great stuff to 
my children, my friends, my family, my work. And I never gave myself credit for it. So, you know, st- stop apologizing to people. Stop trying to re-imagine uh, yourself into something greater and better because you are great and you are the best. And I was then and I, I feel it now. And I think that's part of the freedom of just like, I don't apologize to anyone anymore about anything. I love that. Well, well, Tanya, you are great and you are the best. And I'm sad that I haven't seen you in so long. I know. <laughs> we have to see each other this summer. We have we to. We will. We will. Thank you so much for coming on and shedding your beautiful light to my listeners. And Thank you for asking I think, me. I, I'm so, I was so excited to do this. I really was so yeah, excited. Well, I think you're going to help a lot of women. I think just a, the few things that you said, absolutely, somebody is going to relate and um, you're going to bring a little bit of peace to them. So uh, we will we will do this again at some other point. Uh, there are going to be other topics that we need to discuss. So we'll talk about that at some other time. I'm and in. I'm in. Yeah. Okay, good. Take care, Doran. Take care, Tanya. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated. And you can reach me by email at it's not a crisis at Gmail, Instagram, it's not a crisis podcast, and please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis. <laughs>